Hey everyone, welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. I'm Erica. Today we're going to be talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. We thought, who better to have on than our good friend Chunky Larry from the Creature Features Podcast. Hello! <laughs> so, uh, we hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I know that this is a favorite of yours, right? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, I've told this story a thousand times, but I'll, I'll give you the abridged version. Last day of... Uh, not going into middle school so elementary school sixth grade last day of sixth grade uh did a sleepover at my friend Darrell's house we watched a bunch of bullshit movies like puppet master and not that they're bullshit but um the the coup d'etat was nightmare on elm street scared the life out of me and changed my life forever i'm actually currently wearing my freddy krueger t-shirt because i knew that we were going to be doing this <laughs> um it, Nightmare on Elm Street, specifically the first Nightmare on Elm Street, is is life's blood for me. So any opportunity that I have to be able to talk about this film, I absolutely will take. So thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, I've heard you say on past episodes that it was your favorite movie. So the second I was like, yeah, we're recording this, I'm like, we have to have him yeah. on for this. Cause, um, I mean, fuck it. Let's jump right in. You guys want to talk about like your first experiences with Freddy Watching Kruger? Freddy, a Freddy yes. Krueger movie? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I binge watched him a lot when I was younger with like, you know, my dad, mainly with Brie, like my sister, we watched him all the time. Freddy Krueger never scared me. Like I was never terrified of Freddy Krueger. Um, he made me laugh. Like his, you know, he's very humorous. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I remember a lot of nights staying up with Brie and watching this in, uh, Halloween. Which of the sequels is your favorite? Uh... Not the second one. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably say Dream Warriors. A lot of people say Dream Warriors, and uh, with with good reason. It it is the beginning of you know Freddy's ascension to pop culture status. You know they, that's where they start really implementing the humor. Uh, up to that point, he's very much hidden in the shadows, and he's a dark kind of monster. And they really bring him into the light in part three. But uh, for me. Uh, best sequel is part four, uh, Dream Master with Lisa Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, my favorite overall is definitely part one, and um, my reason being, and this kind of brings it back to uh, my first experience with it, was I remember going to a friend's house. I think I was in middle school also, and he was like, yo, we gotta watch this movie, and... Was it Steven? No, it wasn't Steven. Was it, it was CD, wasn't it? No. It wasn't Carl? It wasn't anybody you know. My mom has always been, like, absolutely fucking terrified we of, of Freddy Krueger. We fucked with So, um... Because she went and saw the first one when it came out, and she was always just terrified of him. So, she never watched anyone after that. So, she would always tell me, like, Nightmare on Elm Street is the scariest fucking movie you will ever see, and I'm like, alright. So... I went to my friend's house, and we watched... 
I want to say it was part five or part six, <coughs> and um, I was watching it, and he like Freddie had these one liners, and like uh, like it's it just very like cheesy, campy, and I'm like, why are you afraid of this? So <laughs> <laughs> I went home, and I'm telling her, I'm like, you kind of suck. Like <laughs> I have watched way scarier shit with you, and she's like, well, did you watch the first one? And I was like, no, and she's like, you have to watch the first one. So I went back that night, I was home alone, and uh, I watched the first one, and holy shit, like, that was fucking creepy for me, like, like there were parts that really, I mean, he, uh, he did still have some, like, cheesy one-liners in it, I will say, but, like, for the most part, there was some really creepy aspects to it. Oh, I'm ready for Erica's story, I know what she's gonna say. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> so, um... For me, this movie... You were born with this movie. I was, yeah. This is how I came into this, this life that I live currently. <laughs> um, present time, like, rewatching it, I I forgot how scary this movie is. Like, it's still creepy to me, and looking into it, like, you know, he has, like, seven minutes of film time, I think, in this entire movie. In the first one. It's so, not a lot. I'm sorry? It's not a lot. It's n- He's not in there a lot. Yeah, I know. It's like, I really think it's like seven, six or seven minutes. It's something yeah. really short like that. And I think that's what kind of like adds to the creepiness of it is because you don't really see him all too much. He's mysterious. So exactly. And it kind of like builds on that. So. The man of my dreams. <laughs> For Literally. me, <laughs> um, this was like one of my dad's like top horror movies. It was like his favorite so when him and my mom were first together and my mom got pregnant for me, he kept trying to get her to watch a movie and she didn't want to watch it. So she was like right at the end of her pregnancy, she was getting ready to have me and they decided to watch it. So he puts it on, they're halfway through it and we had an apartment that was underneath our house in a sopus. And the phone rang downstairs. Well, when the phone rings downstairs, there's like a bell in the upper part of the house so you can hear it. So my dad was like, go downstairs and answer the phone, see who it is. Like, I don't know who would be calling this late. So my mom goes down the stairs and my dad (laughs) comes behind her and he hid behind the door. So when she came out of the apartment after answering the phone, he flipped the light switch and he grabbed her. And her water broke. <laughs> so I'm I'm here because of Freddy. <laughs> He's usually killing children, so it's it's nice that he brought one into the world. Kind of evens everything out. A little bit, a little Irony. bit. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, I remember like certain parts really creeping me out. The most specific one that I can say is uh, the part where Nancy falls asleep in class and Tina's in the body bag and. Not even when she's, like, standing there, or, like, sitting in the seat next to her talking, but when Nancy goes out in the hall, and, like, the body bag's there, and it, like, oh, yeah, the that, legs lift up, and it drags her off. Yeah. That part, I was like, fuck this, like, this. I have a great Freddy story, now that I think about it. Okay. Um, I was not too too afraid of Freddy, but my older brother, Ben, was, like, terrified. <laughs> so, we watched it as a family, because, you know, that's what we did, and, uh... My brother Ben had fallen asleep like halfway through the movie and my oldest brother Jacob and, you know, all of us joined in because we were cruel, started whispering in his ear after he fell asleep, like, Freddy's going to get you. And we were, like, whispering it, like, Freddy's going to get you, Freddy's going to get you. And he literally starts, like, running in his sleep, and he's freaking out. (laughs) 
It was it was a beautiful family moment. <laughs> we were fucked up kids. My brother locked me in the fucking basement telling me like Leatherface was gonna hack me up. My brother Michael. Oh my god. Yeah. And Michael's a fucking good liar. He could convince you out of your pants real easy. You know, like he's a fucking asshole. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So it uh, Note to self, keep him away keep yeah. me away from Michael. So I wear loose pants. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this movie was released by New Line Cinemas. Uh, it was released at a time where they were kind of putting out movies, but they were only making back what they were spending to make the movies. So this movie came out, and they were really riding on the success of this. And uh, the, the studio has been called The House That Freddie Built because it's like this movie is what put them up there as far as a production company. It's funny because the sequels to this movie, they kind of rode off of that success, and, like, they left Wes Craven, to my understanding. Like, uh, he wasn't really given much say with the sequels. At least not not as much as he did in the original. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, what Wes... The the thing is, actually, that Wes really didn't want the film to be sequel. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Robert Shea, the producer, the the head of New Line, um, he, he did the open ending the way that he did, as a thank you for making uh, allowing him to make this film because Wes had uh, shopped the script around to various locations nobody wanted the fucking movie and it was you know Robert Shea who was willing to take a risk on the film and, and literally bet the house on this movie and and that was on the strength of Wes Craven's reputation up to that point I believe he had already did uh uh, the Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left, and if I'm not mistaken, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the reason that a lot of studios were turning this down, um, from what I'd seen, I watched uh, the documentary Never Sleep Again, and it very like I highly recommend it if you're interested in these movies. Anybody listening, because it really like breaks down every single movie and like how they made each movie, but. Uh, West, according to West Craven, the reason it kept getting turned down is everybody was like, "Well, this isn't going to be scary. Like, if he kills you in your dreams, they're going to know when it's a dream. Like, it's not going to be a, a scary movie." So, yeah, um, I think a killer in your dreams, regardless of if, if it's real or fake, is still scary. Yeah, and so, I don't know. This movie it stands out to me because at this point you have these killers uh at this point there was Leatherface there was Michael Myers there was Jason and they were these huge killers but they were silent killers they were behind a mask and this was really the first killer that had its own personality <laughs> like and does he have a personality or yeah. what uh well Robert England like the reason he had said he returned for the sequels for this movie is because he felt like a connection to the character like he couldn't see anybody else portraying that character and it's really synonymous with the character and i think that's why when they remade like uh friday the 13th or uh halloween or texas chainsaw massacre like they weren't great they weren't as good as the originals but when they remade a nightmare on elm street i personally disliked it and i know a lot of people's complaints were with jackie earl haley's uh performance in it and i don't think that he did a bad job i think it's that robert england has basically become this character it's kind of like if they made star wars and they were like oh but we have a different character playing han solo and it's like throws the entire thing off yeah (laughs) well uh to to what you're saying 
Yes, they're they're making a Han Solo movie. Yeah. And uh, but uh, to the regards of the pushback for the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that, and honestly, I think that it wasn't necessarily Jackie Earl Haley's performance because he did an admirable job. And granted, it wasn't the same as Robert's performance. And there are some people that have pushback based on that. But in reality, they they changed a lot of the dynamic of what Fred Krueger was. Didn't, didn't and they, they, they made him more Lester. of a pedophile than a child yeah. murderer. Well, in, the, in the original movie, he was intended to be a pedophile, but they wrote that out of the script because at the time there was a court case going on that was about, uh, um, I think it was teachers, they were molesting students. It was a group of like, or um, I'm sorry, it was a... Uh, um, they had a case because there was multiple um, molestations, like basically like a serial like rapist or molester that was in uh, in Cali at that time, and they didn't want to exploit that or make it something that it wasn't. So yeah, so they just. They, they kind of added it. They made him a child murderer, but they kind of had that undertone. And that's why a lot of times... There's so many times that I've talked to people about Nightmare on Elm Street, and they're like, oh, that's the one with the child molester or something. And I'm like, no, he's a murderer. But like, it, it, I guess the undertones were always meant to be there, but they didn't want to outright say, like, oh, yeah, he molested he children. He molested children, too. But they, they touched on that in the remake. Yeah. And that was, like... That, to me, was, like... It was unneeded, I think. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't I think, think he was that... scary enough as a murderer. Exactly. And the guy that played him in the remake, he actually um, auditioned to play Johnny Depp's character, Glenn, in the original. Mm-hmm. He sure did. He was actually the reason that Johnny Depp got the role, because Jackie Earl Haley and Johnny Depp were friends, and uh, Johnny Depp just went with Jackie to go do his audition for the character, Glenn. Oh, that uh, sucks, though, for his friend <laughs> who didn't get the role. Yeah. Well, that's well I mean, he got to be the guy who kills him later on yeah. down the road. They wanted Charlie Sheen to do it, but he wanted too much money. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted a lot of cocaine. Exactly. He was like, I need that coke money or hookers. I, I want to see that cut of the movie with a Charlie right? Sheen instead of a, a Johnny I think Depp. it would have added that extra comical flair to it. Yeah. Well, it's funny like because remake. this was Johnny Depp's film debut, and uh, I mean, we could jump into a little bit with like the characters for this I movie. I fucking love Johnny Depp. But, Let's um, go there. Not, any, not, not as like a human, but as an actor. I mean, he's become yeah, such a Yeah, as a, a big human, actor. he's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's weird. <laughs> he's strange. But like, like, I feel like all the actors that I really like, I'm like, you're weird in real life. Like, fuck you. But it, yeah, it's kind of like, women. it's something that, like, it almost carried on a tradition because in part two, they cast Mark Patton as the lead, but originally they had people like um, Brad Pitt audition for the role. Like, they had big names, but for this role also, they had bigger names audition, but Wes Craven gave the role to Johnny Depp. And I know he's gone on, like, later on to say, like, he enjoyed the role in the movie and... Wes Craven has always kind of, like, admired that because he's like, you know, I gave him this start, and he still recognizes to this day, like, hey, I had fun doing that. But um, apart from Glenn's character, because honestly, to me, I feel like the fact that Johnny Depp was in this movie overshadows so much other great acting. Like, Heather Langenkamp is fucking amazing Mm -hmm. in this movie. (laughs) She really is. And she really became, like... I liked her character so much. I was really bummed out when she wasn't in part two, but I was so happy when she came back in part three. Like, her character really makes the series for me. 
honestly. Like her and um apart from that, Tina was great. Rod was fucking hilarious and uh the guy who played Rod was actually a Latino actor and he went under a different name for this movie because there was like this stigma against Latino. Well, actors. his name was Jesu as well, so Jesu's much harder to say. Yeah, because it's J S U Garcia. Uh, Nick Corey makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. It's like you know, Spade Spade. I don't. I wouldn't want to, especially in the eighties where everything was was what it was. It's like um, Jesu. How the fuck do I say this word? <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, it, his performance was great, and it, I didn't know this until recently. But he was actually like on a lot of drugs during this movie, and uh, he had said that, like the the scene where he's in the the jail cell and he's like all tearing up. He's like, I didn't kill her. I didn't kill her. He's like, I wasn't doing that for my performance. I did it because like I was so fucked up at the time. And I guess he's been sober for like twenty five years now. So good job. <laughs> He's become very religious uh, since the film. And, Don't they uh, always? He's, he's, well, he's an evangelist, and he goes around and does a lot of speaking tours. And um, he's a, he's actually a really cool guy. I've I've had a couple of conversations with him. Interesting, awesome. cool. But um, to add to that, John Saxon does a great job as uh, Nancy's father, um, mm-hmm. and Ronnie Blakely is her mother. I, her mom kind of annoyed me at times, but I don't think it was the acting. I think it was just the character. She was a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> she was you, always you want to hear a fun correlation? Her, like, yeah, you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, the actress who plays Nancy's mom in the remake, mm-hmm. she was on the show Nashville. She was the star of the show Nashville. Yeah. Um, which was a film that Ronnie Blakely did before she did Nightmare on Elm Street. Was oh, Nashville. <laughs> uh, just... Uh, again, random weird connectivity. There's a lot of that that goes on within the world of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the Freddy thing and and this. But uh, if they come up again, I'll I'll point it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, but really, the the main standout for this movie was obviously Robert England as Freddy Krueger. And I mean, I had said before, like he he's really probably shaped... the biggest horror icon out there right now. Yeah, he's he probably w- the only live one. <laughs> He really, uh, he shaped the character, and it's funny because originally, didn't, you might know more about this later than me, like, they didn't want him to do it because Wes Craven had thought that he was too young yeah, to play the uh, part. Yeah, Wes Craven uh, based the character on an amalgam of a couple of different things. Uh, when he was a kid, he was frightened, and it was one of these moments that stands out for you how you know you're scared as a kid by something i have a nightmare a reoccurring nightmare that still sticks in my craw to this day i'm uh, i'm uh, old let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> and uh i still to this day can vividly remember the nightmare to the point where you know certain things need to be done when i go to sleep just or else i can't go to sleep um so when he was a kid he was looking out his window there was this old drunk man walking down the street and you know for whatever reason i guess he sensed west was standing in the window so he kind of popped his head up and looked at him just to fucking scare him and you know so the guy obviously got his jollies on fucking scaring kids there's also the story of uh the name kruger uh 
was the name of a kid that was a bully to Wes in high school. And in the film Last House on the Left, which I believe you guys covered on the show. Yes. Yeah, and we had mentioned, too, the name Krug. How it, uh, Krug was yeah. the name of the guy that bullied him. So it transcended into uh, Kruger, Fred Kruger, you know, your dad's your uncle, your mom's your dad. <laughs> the the character also was based on um the story is so confusing for me it's like uh there were these guys and they were being they were wanted by like a mob or some shit and uh they ended up dying in their sleep and there was one guy left and he was like if i go to sleep i'll die and he stayed You're talking about the cambodians that escaped and yes. it was the the one kid that did all of these different like techniques on staying awake he hid coffee and uh he was able to last for a couple of days the days the day that they took the coffee away and everything and insist that he went to sleep was the day that he died yeah and they it's, it's a really fucked up story and it was a series of news clippings that Wes Craven obsessed over yeah and they added some of that into the movie also like uh, the guy had like a Mr. Coffee machine in his closet like Nancy had the coffee machine, machine in, in her the bedroom yeah and um that's me that's me <laughs> and like uh his parents were giving him like these sleeping pills because his dad was a doctor and he's like you need to sleep like here's some sleeping pills and they found all of the pills like hidden under his bed when they found his body like he hadn't taken any of them um so yeah that was a big inspiration for the character also so Wes Craven really like went through as much as he could to make this character what it is like as far as the sweater like the sweater was originally going to be red and yellow and he changed it to red and green because he read an article saying that red and green are the, like... It makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, the most uncomfortable colors mm -hmm. to look at next to each other. They're so, ugly shades of them, too, man. Yeah. So he instantly was like, all right, red and green. Do you, you have a Freddy sweater? I do have a Freddy sweater. The uh, Does it have the stripes on the sleeve? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's legit. Like, it was marketed as a Freddy Krueger sweater, and it's like a knit sweater. <laughs> But if it has the stripes on the sleeve, it's not the OG Freddy sweater that was brought in later on. The original sweater, the sleeves are red, just straight red. Damn, I've been fucking up all this time. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I don't want you to walk around me like, yeah, I got some legit shit on, y'all. I've got Freddy Card 6 sweater on right now. <laughs> yeah. This is specifically for Part 6. The gloves go through variations as they go, too, because... Uh, a lot of them will get stolen, and yeah. You know, well, they, there's just... the thing we brought it up on multiple episodes. Um, we brought it up when we talked about the hills have eyes, and when we talked about Evil Dead. Um, Evil Dead's playing on the TV in this movie, and yeah. Sam oh, Raimi. We're going to talk that... about this whole connection <laughs> thing again. So Sam Raimi, in response to that, hung Freddy's glove up in the shed of Evil Dead Two, and that was the actual glove from. This, the, movie. the original movie. The glove was stolen after part three of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So that was kind of that connection there. They went on with it a little bit more. Um, but... Those horror directors love to <laughs> nod at each other in yeah. movies. What's up, Ben? I liked your movie. Here's your glove. Um, the special effects in this are awesome. And it's something I don't want to go back and forth between the remake but I watched the remake today just because I was like I haven't watched it. I was it. going to. I haven't watched it since we went to see it in theaters in 2010 when it came out and that's because 
when Damn. it came out, everybody was like, this movie's so fucking good, you have to see it. So Sierra and I went to see it, and we went in with high hopes because everybody was, like, hyping it up so much, and we were really disappointed by it. But something that really took it away when I watched it now, because I didn't remember too much from it, was everything is CGI'd. And this movie, like... Everything was practically done. Practical, yeah. yeah. I love the scene when Nancy's laying in a room and with the um, crucifix and the face and the hands come out of the wall. Yeah. It's such an iconic That brings scene. me back to Headless Horse. But it was days. done so well, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they went as far as, like, um, the, the part where Tina dies with the revolving room. Mm-hmm. They actually had a revolving room. They nailed all the furniture down and the room would spin. And the actress, Amanda Weiss, or... Wiss. Wiss. Amanda yeah, Wiss. Wiss. Amanda Wiss. Um, she got really sick and, like, had, like, an, a panic attack when it was happening. And uh, Wes Craven, like, was all calm about it. He went up. He's like, hey, what's going on? And he said himself, like, he started feeling really, like, anxious, like, like dizzy from it. So, um... That like that was well done, and they used that again for the part where Johnny Depp died when he got sucked into the bed. Uh, when all the blood comes pouring out, the room was actually upside down, yeah, and they had people which on top. Makes sense. Yeah, they had people on top pouring buckets of fake blood out. The uh, room actually got off the tracks at that point because all of the blood went to one side of the room. And uh, there was this big accident, like, uh, the room went on its side, and the blood was pouring out the windows on all these stage people. <laughs> the, uh, the water... The mishaps. They were, pouring it, they were pouring it on the lights for the room, and it electrified the water, so the people pouring the water were, like, getting That's shocked. That's happened to me before. And, uh, like, the... But they ended up, like... I, I don't know how, but they saved the revolving room. They, that was a one-take shot that they did, but... They used that room for, like, future projects, but... Can I tell you a story? Yeah. I just had Mick Strawn on the show, who uh, was the production designer for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4, as well as Freddy's Nightmares. Mm -hmm. And that room was used that same year by another production, uh, a film that you guys probably haven't seen. It's called Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. Which it's a breakdancing movie, and uh, it, it's it's a really fun, really silly fucking breakdancing movie. But there's this moment in the in the film where uh, one of the guys is cleaning up the room, and he starts breakdancing. He's breakdancing along the side of the wall and up the wall and across the ceiling. And he's quite literally dancing on the ceiling, like the Lionel Richie song. And uh, basically, they just gutted the revolving room of all of the props and everything from Nightmare. It was in the same year. It was right after they had finished filming it. So in 84, both Breaking 2 and Nightmare on Elm Street are released, and they both have the exact same trick. One's a little bit more effective and remembered than the other. <laughs> Not going to say which one is which, but I think we all know. <laughs> <laughs> the spe- As far as like adding on the special effects, though, the part where... Uh, the first shot that you get with Freddy, and this part really fucking creeped me out the first time I watched it, um, when he's walking down the alley and his arms are really? outstretched. Really? That part yeah. creeped you out? Because that part, like, I'm like, oh, God. Well, when they did it, they were very, like, um, hesitant on it because they were like, this is kind of going to look dumb. And I think it was effective, on like, personally. But uh, the way they did it was they had people on the roofs of their garages and stuff with fishing poles, like, holding the arms up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's how things were done then. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, now we just instantly resort to CGI and, and it looks stuff. like shit. Yeah. But it's not even that it looks like shit half the time. It's just, like, it's unnecessary shit. Yeah. Like, 
Well, I think I think that the the issue, and I think the reason they do it is that practical effects takes a lot of time, and it costs a lot of money. Yeah, it does. But at the end of the day, well, it's the art behind it. Like, I think um, Freddie in part one uh, had the best makeup. Like looking at him and like rewatching it, like he looked real crispy and, you want to hear and a fun pa- juicy a little fun bit. Fun fact: Yeah, uh, the special effects artist that came up with the concept for Freddie got the idea for his face from pepperoni pizza <laughs> you would know that <laughs> he was trying to think of a like a concept for him and he just started like messing he does around with his pizza little, he yeah. looks like like a, a pizza that like you dropped it like flipped upside down and then you tried to pick it up and like the cheese stayed you yeah. know what I mean yeah <laughs> like that oh, well, he does such look an like unfortunate that. Thing. that makes me cry think about that the next time you have pizza and just as an aside, as far as the uh, special effects as opposed to CGI, I can only imagine how much it cost to have Freddy come through the wall in the remake. It cost them maybe five bucks to do it in the original. Exactly. Because it's, it's, you know, just a piece of fabric yeah. that they had him push up latex against. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a form of latex that they used that they just had him, you know, push up against it you know, they tacked it on real tight against the wall, had the guy push out, and it's way more effective than that bullshit that they do in the remake. I like, that scene infuriates me. Yeah. I, that's that's what stood out to me. And I actually, watching the remake today, because I went in with a more open mind than I did back then, and uh, I... Still disappointed? <laughs> I will say, uh, Jack Earl Haley, I, I think he did a good job mm-hmm. as Freddy. It was a different take on it. Um... His makeup was all practical, but I wasn't a fan it still, of the look. It still, to me, looked like it looked more like a burn victim, but it was it looked CGI even though it was practical. Yeah, but There's that's what really aspects that were retouched. There was so the storyline is just all over the place because it's like it'll mm-hmm. focus on one person for so long and then it'll jump to another person and it's like you don't really know who the main character of the movie is or. It's Freddy. I mean, you're, you're to assume that it's Nancy because the name Nancy, but they focus on so many other characters for the first half of the movie that get killed off. I don't know if I'm a fan of Nancy in the original. What? I don't know. There's I'm way more her. of a fan of Heather Langenkamp than Rooney Mara. I just... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That. Yeah. Rooney I'm Mara just... is awful in that movie. <laughs> and she almost quit acting because of it. Yeah. <laughs> we just watched a movie uh, with her in it called A Ghost Story with... Uh, Casey Affleck, and oh, there's boy. no there's no dialogue in the movie. Yes, there is. There's dialogue between two ghosts, and it's subtitled. <laughs> it, it was very interesting, but I wouldn't recommend it. Was it was pretty. <laughs> like it was filmed well. It just yeah. was like it was like two hours of like nothing. But I'm not gonna get on that. And like, yeah, no, I just um, Nancy. Uh, I think I don't think it's her personally. I think I, I just don't like 15 year old girls. <laughs> It's probably a good thing. That's fair. Like, they just irritate me. And I remember being 15. I probably would have related to her better when I was 15, but I can't. <laughs> I cannot stand teenage girls. Ugh. How can you say I don't take her to seriously? Dude, my niece, okay. my niece is, is, a fi- is, a, is a teenage girl and a man. She's probably listening to this. I could, yeah, she probably is because she listens to us every week. And I appreciate that. I think it's very sweet. But, oh, my God. <laughs> um... There's one part of this movie that has always fucking bugged me from the first time I watched it, and I pointed it out to uh, to Sierra when we were watching it for this episode, and she was just like, all right, that's pretty stupid, but like, I, I don't know, it's always bugged me. So, 
after Tina dies and Heather's going to school the next morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the Secret Service agent? Well, there's a Secret Service agent, and Rod jumps out and grabs her, and they're having the conversation, and her dad comes, and they, like, bust Rod there. Like, they arrest him and stuff. She's like, you used me! And she's me. like, you used me! And he's like, what the hell were you doing going to school today anyway? And I'm like, you... Your whole plan revolved around her going to school... And then you're yelling at her for going to school. Going to school. <laughs> well, I think he was following her, not so much, you know, keeping think... an eye on her because she he knew that Rod would more than likely go yeah, to. I don't her. Think, yeah, I don't think he was he was doing it to like have her trick Rod. I think she he was just keeping an eye out to make sure she was safe from a person who he thought was a murderer. Right? I mean, granted, he did have a couple of cars waiting in the wings. Um, <laughs> I just think you're looking at it wrong, Dylan. Maybe. I, I think don't you're know. viewing it wrong. Watch it again. I've watched again, it so many fucking again. times. <laughs> no, I have too. <laughs> also, uh, I, I know, again, jumping all over the place, but his deputy, uh, get my dad, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I should go talk to the chief. Uh, that guy is in another Wes Craven film much later on, uh, named Scream. He was the sheriff in that in that uh, in that film. Oh, he, you know, Deputy Dewey worked underneath him. Mm-hmm. They had that scene where he's smoking and Dewey's eating the ice cream. Really funny scene. <laughs> um, just hilarious. That guy is the deputy in this, and he becomes the deputy or the sheriff and then Dewey's the deputy. A reoccurring theme in Wes Craven films is the ineffectiveness of police officers. And if you look at it, it, it is in just about any film that he has cops in. They're always kind of bumbling dolts. I, With I the exception of that, yeah. uh, John Saxon's character, who in reality doesn't do a hell of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I brought that up too. I mean, I never caught on to it in like every Wes Craven movie, but now that you mention it, it, it does stand out. But I brought it up in um, our last House on the Left episode because that kind of took me out of it. Was it did a lot of um, what I had mentioned in that episode is it brought me back to like it's the like town that dreaded sundown. Stick humor. Where, you love like, that word. Slapstick yeah, humor. It like jumps for between like really serious stuff and like yeah, like you're getting a into comedic. a good scare and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's the Three Stooges. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's just to deescalate stuff like. Rape. That's what I. Yeah. That's what I. And that's what torture. I <laughs> and disembowelment. <laughs> I guess I understand that, but on the other hand, it's like you're watching it. Like when you're watching a scary movie, I assume that the reason you're watching it is to be scared. So it kind of like I get bummed out when I start getting scared, and then I'm taken back from it, and then I have to like start all over. Like it's like I just want. I just want a good spook. Boom. Yeah. You know? I, I, specifically with Last House, you know, they're not really going for scares as much as. They're going for an unsettling kind of atmospheric tone. Yeah. You know, specifically, you know. I love that movie. That's the the scariest moment is when they're in the graveyard and she's almost near the freeway. She's making her way up and then that fucking machete pops up. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the biggest jump in that whole fucking movie. And. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're totally good. The, something that I really love about Wes Craven, and I'm not like the hugest, the biggest Wes Craven fan. Like I like his, like he has movies that I love, and then he has movies that I do not love. But um, he's not afraid to like poke fun at himself, especially in the Scream series. Like the whole thing, he's making fun of himself in ways. You know, like he has it in there, like randomly to like to, like laugh at himself. 
it, he it's kind of funny too. Like he does that, but then he does stuff like um, like it, for example, Scream. Like they were talking about uh, they, they make some kind of reference to the Nightmare first one was, but the rest suck. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, not you, Fred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I just think it's funny how, how Wes Craven's okay with, like, laughing at himself a little bit. Yeah. But I do agree. He does have movies that I... Not a big fan of. I sold a ticket. Cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Cursed, yeah. And everybody's just yelling out random movies. Let's keep going. But um, back, oh. on, back on Nightmare on Elm Street, though... Um, Who was it that didn't know there was a Freddy vs. Jason movie? Remember that? Who was that? It was a different podcast, that? yeah. <laughs> it's probably <Really>? Steven. <laughs> Fucking Steven. I miss you, Steve. Can we? But your seat is so comfy. <laughs> He's gonna listen to this episode too and like laugh his ass off. Like, oh fuck that fat bastard! Can can we talk about the scene where she runs up the stairs and they have her stepping in oatmeal? Yes. Oh my. Fucking god, and and there, there's a couple of moments in this movie that are genuinely just just chill inducing. Specifically, the one that you had mentioned, uh, which wasn't the first time you see him on screen. By the way, the first time you see him—that's his grand introduction. But the first time you see him on screen is in the credit sequence. Uh, you see his his eyes; they do like a tide on his eyes, and then he also pops up behind Tina in the boiler room. Calling uh, you out, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know, for you know, corrections and omissions. Wait, wait, um, it wasn't. He walked away for a second. It wasn't when his arms are stretched out like the. Oh doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that's, the first that's time. That's not was the first time on screen. It's actually during the credit sequence. Yeah. Um, but that that scene in itself, you know, the the thing that really captured my imagination was, uh, the surrealism of you know these long outstretched you know clearly not real arms and you know you, you kind of touched on it that you know if it were done with cgi it might look a little bit more realistic but it wouldn't have the same effect mm-hmm. there's kind of there's there's a bit of a tangibility that exists within um practical effects that isn't able to exist in computer generated effects and and part of what that is is the fact that you know that that hand can hit tina in the head you know mm-hmm. where you know in with cgi she's reacting she's physically reacting but she has nothing to play off of mm-hmm. and as, as great of an actor can be you know they they have to have some some grasp of tangibility and reality to really evoke a performance that works and they have yet to be able to come up with look at this fucking tennis ball isn't that scary <laughs> <laughs> be scared you know you're really scared of this fucking tennis ball yeah. So uh, that's that's one of the things. Uh, also, um, you talked about the scene where she's in the classroom, she dozes off, and Tina's there in the body bag. The guy reading that portion of Julius Caesar is Daryl Hannah's brother. Um, oh, God, I could be bad in that shit and got my guilt. Uh, that guy is Daryl Hannah's brother. And... Um, 
then you also get the scene later on where she's outside of the house and you see Tina again where she's surrounded by the slugs and the maggots and the centipede comes out of her mouth yeah. um, mm. really fucking unnerving <laughs> really fucking unnerving well it's funny and, too because Amanda Wiss had, had said that uh, like being in that body bag was like the most anxiety she's ever had because there's no zipper on the inside so like when they had it zipped up like she's trapped like completely like I had to rip my way out of that (laughs) bitch and uh she had said by like the the third time they did the whole centipede thing she's just like okay this is enough (laughs) (laughs) if you guys don't got it yet you ain't getting it yeah (laughs) Yeah, she put it I wouldn't be able to do that yeah, I uh, wouldn't be able to do that. The only thing, oh, special oh, effects wise, I we, CGI <laughs> that fucker in my mouth. I'm not putting it in my mouth. Um, I, another scene that we haven't brought up really is the the bathtub scene, which has become such like an iconic oh, thing the, with the hand coming out of the bathtub. I like to call that um, Freddy versus vagina. <laughs> um, but vagina had, wins every time, you guys. They had a tank built underneath that tub, and. Basically, they had a special effects or stuntman uh, under, like, in the water, and he's I like, "I feel like there could have been easier ways to do that." He was basically like, "He's basically like, I had the pleasure of having Heather Langenkamp's legs around my neck for <laughs> for like an hour." <laughs> but uh, like, I think that scene was longer than that, though. I think they said it was like she was in that tub for like eight hours. Maybe it, could you but, fucking imagine <laughs> being in a tub for eight hours? It'd be pretty as fuck and cold. But I mean that that's become such a big thing. The mm-hmm. only thing special effects wise that I absolutely like and it doesn't really ruin anything for me, I actually like find it laughable, is at the end of the movie where Nancy's mom gets pulled through the door and you can obviously tell it looks like a blow up sex doll yes, it does. being pulled through a fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> and uh like we had said before, Wes Craven kinda like wasn't for it. He kind of put that in there for Robert Shea as like a thank you for making the movie. But I have a question. So. Was Freddy Krueger the car at the end? <sighs> it makes sense. I mean, it was striped like his sweater. They just like the- Turbo Teen and some shit. Yeah, they brought that uh, up. For you that. guys that don't know, Turbo Teen was an animated cartoon in the late 80s or early 80s where a teenage boy turned into a hot rod. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. That happened. That happened to Freddy. Um, they brought up in, uh, in Never Sleep Again, the documentary I, I was talking about. Could you about. imagine if they continued the rest of the series as him as a car? Christine. in a sweater. <laughs> but, um... God There's, damn. like, different interpretations of it. Like, some people have said, oh, Freddy's the car. Some people said... Was that Robert just England, to make it clear that they're dreaming? I think so. Robert England had said that um, the way he interpreted the ending was the entire movie was a dream that Nancy had, but it was, like, her... Like, a precognitive, like, this is what's gonna happen. And then that was happening... Was, like, the start of it? Was the start of it. Because all of her friends show up at the end, which... That ending has always kind of confused me. I don't know... But if that's the case, then Nancy shouldn't have to go through everything because she already knows, like... That well, I mean, she, she comes doesn't back, fear him, it's fine. I think when she comes back in Dream Warriors... She's I haven't watched Dream Warriors in years, but, uh... But if I remember right, they kind of, like, ignore that ending, don't they? Yeah, and, uh... They, they don't even address it is is yeah. the thing is she's just there yeah and um there's actually a really good fan film if you guys are interested in watching fan films there's a couple that i'll recommend to you um the blinky i think it's 500 
might be 5,000. Uh, they did a series with uh, Roberto Lombardi called uh, Kruger Tales from Elm Street. That's about Freddy before he becomes Fred Kruger with the burns and everything. It's, yeah. you know, him as the Springwood slasher. Uh, there's also a really, really fucking great one called uh, The Confessions of Fred Kruger, um, which is like an interrogation with Freddy where he kind of goes into his definitive backstory um but the the true backstory in my opinion will has been will always be toby hooper's no more mr nice guy which was the first episode of freddy's nightmares and um there's also one more fan film that i'm just going to point out and it's called uh don't fall asleep and that has the story of what happens between to Nancy between uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one and three, and it bridges those two films, um, kind of as what's going on with Nancy while, you know, Jesse's being tormented in her old room. I'll have to check those out. I've been I've been watching a lot more fan films recently. I know that you've been plugging it a lot on uh, social media, but I'm really excited for Never, Never Hike Alone. Alone. Yeah, yes. I'm super yes, hyped for bitch. that. <laughs> Friday the 13th. I can't fucking wait. October 13th. It, 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 lots of good shits happening October 13th, you guys. By the way, uh, the Maniac comic book goes up for pre-order on October 13th, and if you guys haven't fucking, you should look into that because it's. It's a dream. Sure Dylan will get it. He collects comic books. <laughs> so do you guys think that, say Freddy's real, he haunts your dreams, are you going to survive Freddy? You would fucking you die. Because you, you have like narcolepsy die. or some shit, and you fall asleep every five yeah, fucking minutes. Yeah, but I'm also not afraid of Freddy. Boom. Yeah, they kind of don't... I would be like, They kind of right. don't explore that too much in the first one, because... Nancy, the way she defeats Freddy at the end is she's like, oh, well, I know your secret. I'm not afraid of you anymore. And then Freddy just backs off. Yeah. Dying. He dissipates. Yeah. And it, that kind of bugged me a little bit because it didn't really explain that too much. Like, it, it doesn't go into, like, if you're afraid of him, that's how he gets his power or his I strength. Think, but... I think that it does, though. Like, I mean, it, I think I think it's a clear ending to me, like, when you're watching it. It... it it seems to be as soon as she admits, like, I'm not afraid of you, and she stands up and she shows him that she does not have fear. He, oh, what? What, bitch? You don't? Well, right. I know it does that, Deuces. but, like, it doesn't say, like... You want it written out for you in, like, bold text. <laughs> I know. Not, not only that, um, one of the things that her mom says to her shortly before passing away is that her gift is facing things. That's her strength. Yeah. And, you know, what they did and I don't I don't know if we, we didn't really talk about it when she goes to the dream clinic and Roger Rabbit puts her under and she's mm-hmm. able the guy who played Roger Rabbit Charles Fleischer oh, yeah. is the doctor. Um when he puts her under she's pulled out of the dream but she has the hat in her hand mm-hmm. which ultimately sets up the you know the third act where she's her whole thing is pulling Freddy out of her dream. Yeah. Um uh, so she he can die. She Kevin McAllister's the fucking house. Booby <laughs> yeah. traps and improvised anti-personnel devices, which is very much like uh, Last House, what he did in that film as yeah. well. Uh, you know, he he was very into survival, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, um, I think they had told Wes Craven, too, when he was making the movie, like, at, at one point, they're like, all right, no more booby traps. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Wes Craven's uh, yeah. a doomsday prepper. 
<laughs> what you don't know is he has like a little house in West Virginia in the mountains that's full 100% self With like a, like a barricade, yeah, like four Booby traps it. everywhere. He's got one of those water roll devices that turns his pee into water. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Every time we say booby trap, though, all I can think of is Dana booty from taps. Goonies. Booty traps. <laughs> booty traps. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's more, dude. My daughter is the master of making traps and just rigging things up that are going to hurt you. <laughs> She's a beast. I think most Instagram models are booby traps. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was a shitty joke. It was low hanging fruit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you guys want to get into ratings for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Larry, I know you said that you'd listen to the show a few times, um, but basically, we rate the movies on a scale of one to ten. Kind of say like our likes or like our main likes, main dislikes, like kind of justify that rating a little Wrap bit. Wrap up but, your, your final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. And a rating. So, uh... You, you guys know I, I vote on your Instagram every time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's out of They get considered. And I usually give time. my reasoning, too. Alright. Alright, who wants to go first? <laughs> I think you guys know where I'm gonna land, so... Alright, you go first here. You're um, gonna be the hardest critic on this fucking movie, I know. so... I feel like I'm, I always give the worst ratings. No, I, I actually... I like it. Um, it's not my, like, all-time favorite movie, uh, but I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think so much for me is that it's scary. I think it's it's more like an interesting storyline, um, and that draws me in. Uh, I guess it doesn't have to be super scary if it's a good story. So, um... Mm, I'm gonna give it an 8.3 out of 10. Okay. Erica. I'll go next. <laughs> so, for me, I'm I'm all about this movie. I'm like a really vivid dreamer, and so the concept behind this is such a scary thought to me. And I've had some like really crazy like sleep paralysis and all that shit, and it the thought of it just like the entire concept literally just like freaks me the fuck out and it's it was well done. I love the effects in this movie I love how they're done by a makeup artist and they're done by somebody who does special effects and they're not just CGI'd and they're not just you know done on a computer and you know everything green screened and I think that that's what gives this movie such uh, just such a creative aspect to it um there's just so much about this movie that I really like, and I, I love the storyline. I love how iconic it is, and it's a great movie as a standalone, but it has also built a decent franchise, so I think that either way, it's it's definitely, it's done very well for itself. You yeah. know, it, it, it doubled its budget, I think, in like 72 hours or something like that, and by the time the entire thing was like said and done, they had grossed like I think like 125 million or something like that. I don't know. The franchise to this day, like now, is upwards in like 625 like million is what it's worth. So I mean, it's done well for itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna so, buy. I'm gonna buy the rights to Freddie. Um. So for me, I just like I really enjoy this movie a lot, and it's it's one that's really special to me because of your birth. My birth. <laughs> it's just such a fun story. So you just kind of like get roped in. You're like, yeah, this is my movie. Um, so I'm going to give this movie a solid 9.4. All right. I love you. 
<laughs> Larry, let's hear those ratings. Okay. Um, I'm sure anybody that knows that I was brought on specifically because I fucking absolutely adore this film <laughs> knows that I'm going to go the full 10. Um, I don't often go the full 10 when, you know, giving my weighing in my opinion on the movies that you guys cover. Uh, I think maybe only once I went 11, I think. <laughs> I think only <laughs> once. Uh, but this is this is easily the film that made me a fan of horror films. It's magic while still being, you know, intimidating, threatening. It's, you know... It shows women in a very positive light in spite of, you know, a sort of salacious introduction with the character Tina. There, There's a journey that the character Nancy goes on from the beginning of the film to the end. You know, she's very modest to the point where she has to, you know, resort to, you know, calling a cop an asshole. <laughs> and, and, you know, she lights a man on fire. She, She's... She says that she's into survival, and she absolutely proves it. And, you know, it's... it's While being a great horror film, it is also a great film about youth and, you know, becoming an adult when your parent is a child. And, you know, her parents were both kind of in their own world and in their own head, you know, mm -hmm. to the point that when they speak to each other, it's, hello, you too, Donald, Marge. <laughs> but it's it's not like they can't even be mature enough in a situation where her friend was fucking murdered to just be cordial. It's, you know, and her mom is, you know, her becomes the child. She she takes her Baba away before putting her to bed. You know, there's there's a lot of, you know, very concrete kind of uh, hintings as to this much larger story that he's telling you and he's he's giving you this entire world with a backstory and you know rules and everything to adhere that are completely forgotten in the second film but that's neither here nor there um, it is it is iconic and um, it, it starts a for better or worse franchise of films that are very near and dear to my heart. And this one specifically is easily one of the most terrifying films I've ever fucking seen. You know, uh, a thing that I constantly have an issue with when talking to horror directors is how can you make horror films scary again? And the best advice that I could give to a horror director is try to be as much like Nightmare on Elm Street as possible. <laughs> Wes Craven... No, I'm I'm being legitimately serious right now. I, I Wes Craven was a a professor. He understood touching people on a visceral level. You you think about the the dream sequence in Last House on the Left, where um, they do the scene with the chisel on the teeth. That's unnerving as mm -hmm. fuck. Mm -hmm. And you know that's that's just an, a glimpse in his very first film as to how effective a dream can be, a dream sequence. And then he made a film entirely about dreams that really is terrifying. And, you know, a lot of people that weren't around for this film when it started have the luxury of knowing Freddy Krueger as this household name when, when, when he was still just Fred Krueger. You know, he wasn't that. He was 
the boogeyman. He was the darkest thing that existed in cinema. He, you know, he rivals Darth Vader or uh, Captain Howdy or, you know, all these other characters, you know, and, and you had said it yourself, uh, Dylan, where you were saying that, you know, there were Michael Myers, Leatherface and Jason Voorhees prior to Freddy Krueger, but they were just lumbering oafs and masks that didn't say anything and didn't, they were just like a force of nature rather than a presence. And Freddy Krueger brought that presence to film. So for all of those reasons, it's a 10 out of 10 for me, a hundred percent. All right, Dylan. So... I am going to agree, and I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Oh, fuck. Just give me like, the highest. Just give me the highest. Good job. Good job. Um, this is a movie. I love you too, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie, like I said, like I, it's very rare that I watch a movie that absolutely scares the shit out of me. And watching this for the first time, I have that memory of it really, truly creeping me out. And I'm almost kind of glad that I saw some of the later movies first. Because I went in not expecting a scary movie. I went in expecting, like, cheesy one-liners and kills, like, welcome to primetime, bitch, and fucking... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I went in expecting something, and I got something even better out of it. Um, the practical effects, like, literally every single effect has the story behind it, and it's st- they're so well done. I, I think that Robert England really molded the character of Freddy Krueger and made it such an iconic thing and it really revolutionized like what horror is it had they gave this character this deep back not a deep backstory but like a scary backstory so you know you had jason Voorhees who was bullied as a kid you had leatherface who's kind of persuaded by his family to kill you had this guy was just fucked up yeah this guy was legit (laughs) he was just as scary as a person as he was in death in death like, he was an evil person, an evil presence, not somebody that, you know, was persuaded to be that way by a family You have member. no sympathy for him. Exactly. And it's something where, I've, I've said it before, when you have a smart killer, you have a scary killer. Um, Jason, uh, Leatherface, you know, you could see that they've been, like, thwarted. Like, you can kind of one-up them. Freddy is always one step ahead. Besides, you know, when Nancy... Unless you're not afraid of Nancy. Right. But, um... And I I love that he just, like, fucks with them before he kills them. Like, he could kill them at any time, but, like, just the toying with them where Mm -hmm. he chops his fingers off when he's fucking with Tina and, like, she pulls his face off and he's just this laughing skeleton. Like, it all adds to it. And I wish that the franchise stuck with that darker theme, but I... I won't complain because I still really... Mm -hmm. It's one of the rare times where I enjoy every single sequel that this has put out. Um, Mm. Freddy's Dead? Freddy's Dead has some good laughs. The Dream Child? (laughs) Dream Child, I don't... It's not Watch Dream Child again. (laughs) You'll be like... I haven't watched it in a long time, but, you know... I I don't remember (laughs) having too much hate towards it. But, um... Wes Craven was able to make this character, and I'm glad that he went back with New Nightmare. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to cover. Basically, every movie in this franchise, I'm excited to cover because there's so much to touch on with each one. I feel like I'm the only one who's not super passionate <laughs> about about Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, like, there's something to touch on with each one, and like New Nightmare went back and completely brought back that same like fear that you had. But in terms of this, it was revolutionary. I enjoy the shit out of it. I literally have, like, zero complaint with this movie, so I'm going to give it a 10. Okay, so our average rating today... Well, I will say, 
I asked Stephen for his rating because he wasn't on the episode. Did you get it? Yeah. He gave it an 8.7. And he also said, fuck you, Chunky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives it an average of... All right, so that gives it an average of a 9.3. All right, where can people find you? Uh, well, uh, if you guys are interested, which I hope you are, uh, <laughs> you can listen to my podcast. It's the Creature Features Podcast. Uh, we are... Shit, I'd like to say we're weekly, but the way that I'm putting episodes out, it's like multiple times a week. Uh, I've I've been fortunate enough to have some really fucking great guests on the show. Uh, this week specifically, I have uh, uh, Jonathan from uh, Sleepaway Camp. I have director William Lustig, and I also have uh, director Justin Seaman, who directed the film The Barn, which is a terrific fucking movie if you guys haven't had the opportunity. Um, definitely watch that because it's it's fucking special. Um, also, this week I'm covering... Uh, the entire month I'm covering Franchise Killers. Uh, but this week I'm covering Hellraiser 2, Hellbound. Hellraiser 2, I should say. And uh, we're going to have lots of fun stuff this month because it's October. Uh, you know, it's Halloween. Everybody's entitled to one good scare. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CreaturePod. And you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CreaturePod. <laughs> That's everything. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for coming on. We had a blast. Yeah, no, it was awesome hanging out with you. <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, at Horror Haven Podcast. You can check out our website at HorrorHavenMedia.com. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about Nightmare... Or not Nightmare on Elm Street, Jesus Christ. Friday, Again, <laughs> Friday there's the, so much to be said. <laughs> Friday the 13th, parts 4 through 6, or like I like to call it, the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be, uh, yeah, talking that. So tune in. Are you doing all three of the Tommy Jarvis films? Yeah, we're going to do parts four, five, and six. That's fucking dope. Yeah. yeah. Um, we only like him because he has the same last name as us. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, uh, Tom Matthews, hell of a guy. Yeah? He was on the show as well. And, uh, yeah, uh, braggy, braggy, braggy. All right. <laughs> Anybody listening in preps, go listen to that interview before our episode. And also or you can listen to the Melanie Kinnaman interview. Uh, interview where uh she's she played pam in part five oh. or you can listen to the tom mclaughlin interview he directed part six yeah, moral Larry. of the story go check out creature features podcast <laughs> do you have any time to yourself no no i i really don't uh, that's why i say fellow insomniacs because i don't sleep <laughs> oh dude i could not live without sleep i sleep like yeah. No, I love it, and I, I you you have been killing it with the fucking interviews lately. So like, kudos to you. Like, I've been following along and like really excited every time you announce the next person that you have on. So um, I definitely recommend everybody go check out Creature Features podcast. Tune in next week. Um, also check out our artist spotlight episode from this week. We talked yeah. to Barn Show Productions about their upcoming horror short series Campfire, which is starring Skylar Kroom of He Is Legend. So go check that out. And have a good night. Have a great good night. night. Was was I supposed to say have a good night with you guys? Because I feel bad for not. You can say it. <laughs> you can say it, and I'll cut this out. To okay. Work. Okay. You guys want to do it together, just like as a as a three, two, one we, kind of thing? Yeah. Or? Let's do it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's let's like count. a team. All right. Three, two, one. Good have night. A, have a good night. <laughs>
See? That was synergy right there, you guys. That's yeah, beautiful. That was like we And you know what's going to happen is I'll cut out where we planned that, and everybody's going to be like, fuck, these guys are on sync. There's, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Or you could just keep all of this in. Yeah, or we could keep all this in, and people will be like, wow, these guys suck. You could just keep keep going and go, fuck, they don't know how to say goodbye. They're just still talking. 